Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode of Living Light Outdoors. On the mic with you in the office. It's Thursday. Man, we're getting close to Friday. We're rolling downhill towards the weekend. You know, I want to. I know we're in the the Easter season. Um, I've never really, uh, I've never really been one of those guys that spend a lot of time on themes uh, for the season. You know, Christmas messages, Easter messages, Mother's Day messages, that kind of thing. But I wanna I wanted to share because I have some passion about this week. I have some passion about uh, the, the progress of this week. I know last Sunday was considered Palm Sunday. Um, obviously, that records the triumphal entry of when Jesus was was coming into town riding the donkey, and uh, people were waving the the palm branches, and uh, they were treating him like a king or recognizing him as a king. Um, there's there's a lot of stuff that you could. There's so many messages to be preached, and I know many preachers preach these throughout through this. Um, uh, but I, I want to share just some of my thoughts, some of my my feelings about this week. Um, this is this week is considered Passion Week. Uh, some refer to it as Holy Week, um, but it's 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 basically from the Palm Sunday, the time of Palm Sunday, through Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. Um, also included within Passion Week, they, there, there's some talk about Holy Monday, Holy Tuesday, uh, Spy Wednesday, Monday Thursday, or Maundy, I'm not sure how to even pronounce that word, uh, Good Friday, and then, of course, Holy Saturday. Passion Week is also named because of the passion with which Jesus willingly went to the cross in order to pay for the sins of his people. Passion Week is described in Matthew chapters 21 through 27, Mark chapters 11 through 15, Luke chapters 19 through 23, and John chapters 12 through 19. So you can see all the different recordings of, of Holy Week or Passion Week in those chapters. And it begins with the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday on the back of a colt. Now, this was actually prophesied all the way back to Zechariah chapter 9 uh, verse 9 there's a prophecy from Zechariah describing the triumphal entry very very interesting thought i did not go back and pull that scripture i've got a lot of scripture i want to share with you so i <laughs> kind of trim some up but passion week contains several memorable events uh, jesus cleansed the temple in, in luke chapter 19 uh, then he disputed with the Pharisees regarding his authority. And then he gave his Olivet Discourse uh, on the end times. And he taught many, many things, including the signs of his second coming. There, there was, and, and I mentioned, you know, Holy Monday, Holy Tuesday, Spy Wednesday. Spy Wednesday kind of has been given that title because they feel like that was when Judas uh, basically betrayed Jesus, sold him out for the coins. Um, what I really want to reference or, or kind of dig into is Thursday, which is today. I, I really, there is so much that happens on on this Maundy Thursday, however you pronounce that. Um, so we're going to go to, to Luke chapter twenty two, and we're going to start with verse seven. And and, I, and and this is this is Jesus and his disciples. Uh, so this is we're at, we're at, we're at the day Thursday of the Holy Week. So this is this is we're in line with where Jesus was uh, on that Thursday, sometime in the afternoon, maybe early evening, kind of like where we are right now. So Luke chapter twenty-two, verse seven, and we're going to go through thirty-eight with this first discourse. Uh, 
and and it says this. I'm going to talk to you out of the amplified version. So starting with verse 7 of Luke 22, it says, Then came the preparation day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover meal for us, that we may eat it. Verse 9 says, They asked him, Where do you want us to prepare it? And he replied, When you have entered the city, a man carrying an earthen jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters. Now there's an interesting thought here. Uh, the, when he, the way he described they're, they're, the Bible is so full of particulars. You have to you have to dig them out. They're like nuggets of treasure. But this particular passage, even right here, where do you want us to prepare it? He replied, when you have entered the city, a man carrying an earthen jar of water. That wasn't the man's task. That was a woman's task. So there was a uniqueness already to this whole story being played out right here in the very beginnings of this because they're going to see a man carrying an earthen jar of water and they're to follow him to the house that he enters. Verse 11 says, And say to the owner of that house, the teacher asks, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upstairs room furnished with carpets and and dining couches. Uh, Prepare the meal there. Verse 13 says, They left and found it just as he had told them, and they began preparing the Passover. Now we get to to the Lord's Supper begins in verse 14. We talk about the Lord's Supper quite a bit. When the hour for the meal had come, Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly wanted to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This is in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant, ratified in my blood. Verse 21 says, But listen, the hand of the money, or I'm sorry, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on the table. For indeed, the Son of Man is going uh, as it has been determined, but woe, judgment is coming to that man by whom he is betrayed and handed over. And they began to discuss among themselves which one of them it might be who was going to do this. Now, I love this next passage, starting with verse 24. They get into an argument among themselves about who's the best, who's the greatest, who's Jesus like the most. Verse 24 says, Now a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was regarded to be the greatest. Now this is after they just were told, One of you here is going to betray me. One one of you here is going to hand me over to, to my end. But in the process of, instead of worrying about that, they start worrying about each other. And Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles have absolute power and lord it over them. And those in authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not to be this way with you. On the contrary, the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest and least privileged, and the one who is the leader like the servant. For who is the greater, the one who reclines at the table, or the one who serves? It is, is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Man, Jesus is teaching all the time. Verse 28 says, You are those... 
who have remained and have stood by me in my trials. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you the privilege so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Verse 31 says, Simon Peter, listen, Satan has demanded permission to sift all of you like grain. There's a, there's a reference here in, in the Amplified where it wasn't just Peter that Satan had, had wanted permission. He wants to sift all of you like grain. But I have prayed especially for you, Peter, that your faith and confidence in me may not fail, and you, once you have turned back again to me, strengthen and support your brothers in faith. So he's basically saying, dude, you're going to fall apart, but I'm praying specifically. Satan's going to sift you all, but I'm praying specifically for you that, that when you turn back, that you'll be strengthened and you'll have the support uh, or strength to support all your brothers in faith. Verse 33, here's, here's my buddy Peter, the knucklehead. And Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I say to you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will utterly deny three times that you know me. And he said to them, when I sent you out without a money belt, provisions, a bag, and extra sandals, did you lack anything? And they answered, nothing. Then he said to them, but now he who has a money belt is to take it along. And also his provision, his bag. And he who has a no sword is to sell his coat and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture, which is written, must be completed and fulfilled in me. And he has counted with the criminals for that which refers to me as its fulfillment and is settled. They said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. So Jesus ate his last supper with the disciples in the upper room, and then he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray as he waited for his hour to come. Now, this is really part of really what I want to dig out is right here. I love this passage of the Garden of Gethsemane. I believe that, that this description in the Garden of Gethsemane shows us the human side of Jesus, that he becomes the most human. I mean, he was, he was human. He was God, but he was also flesh. But this, this becomes the most fleshly we see of him. The Garden of Gethsemane, beginning of verse 39, it says, And he came out and went as was his habit to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he arrived at the place called Gethsemane, he said to them, Pray continually that you may not fall into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup of divine wrath from me. In other words, he's saying, God, if there's any other way, he knew what was coming here. I love this piece of scripture. I talk about it often. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup of divine wrath from me, not or yet not my will, but always yours be done. In other words, he's saying, God, if, if, if we can do this another way, if there's another option, I, I'd be game for that. But if there's not, Father, your will be done, not mine. And being in agony, I'm uh, back up here. Verse 43 says, um, Now an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in, in agony, deeply distressed and anguished, almost to the point of death, he prayed more intently, and his, and his a potentially life-threatening physical response to extreme physical or mental stress, this, this uh, 
I'm not going to pronounce this right, hematodrosis, sweat, became like drops of blood falling down on the ground. He, he became so stressed. He was, he was so deeply anguished at what was coming because he knew what was coming. He knew his, his, his death was coming. And he's become so stressed that he literally had a physical uh, medical condition that he sweat drops of blood. It basically means that your, your capillaries and your sweat glands break and, and it allows blood to seep in. So you sweat blood. So when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not fall into temptation. It was here that Jesus, having been betrayed by Judas, was arrested and taken to several sham trials before the chief priest, Pontius Pilate and Herod. Now, we understand, we know what Jesus, that Judas betrayed Jesus. So verse 47 says, while he was still speaking, so he's still addressing his, you know, he's actually kind of scolding his, his disciples about, why are you sleeping? You know, man, they're coming to get me. While he was still speaking, a crowd came. And the man called Judas, the one of the twelve disciples, was leading the way for them. And he approached Jesus to kiss, uh, and to a kiss on the end, on the end of her hand of her cheek was usually an act of, of, of homage or a common gesture of greeting. It's a holy kiss, greeting with a holy kiss. Um, reverence gave, given to a rabbi by his disciples, but done here to identify Jesus. This is why he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those who were around him saw what was about to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with the sword? And one of them, we, we know some other reference, this being Peter, was, was actually the one pointed out in this. One of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. 50, verse 51 says, but Jesus replied, stop, no more of this. And he touched the ear and he healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priest and officers of the temple and elders of the Sanhedrin who had come out against him, have you come out with swords and clubs as you would against a robber? Day after day, when I was with you in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this hour and the power and authority of darkness are yours. Now, I love this. I mean, here, they're coming to arrest a guy because he claims to be God's son. And, and somebody gets their ear cut off. And the dude that claims to be God's son, they're arresting him because they think he's not, heals the dude's ear? I would say that's a testament right there that, man, the guy might be doing what he says he's doing. Now, obviously, we come into verse 54, and we're, we're going to see where Peter's, um, the prophetic word that Jesus spoke to Peter comes to pass. Verse 54 says, Then they seized him and led him away and brought him to the elegant house of the Jewish high priest. And Peter was following at a safe distance. After they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat among them. Now, he's talking about these soldiers and the people that came out against Jesus. Verse 56 says, And the servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight and looking intently at him, said, This man was with him too. Verse 57 says, But Peter denied it, saying, Woman, I did not know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You're one of them. But Peter said again, Man, I am not. And in verse 59, After about an hour had passed, another man began to insist, This man was with him, for he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had told him before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Verse 62 says, and he went out and wept bitterly, deeply grieved and distressed. 
Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking and ridiculing him and treating him with contempt and beating on him. Verse 64 says, They blindfolded him and asked, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they were saying many other evil and slanderous things against him, blaspheming, speaking sacrilegiously and abusively about him. Verse 66 says, When day came, the council of the elders of the people of the Sanhedrin Jewish High Court assembled, both chief priests and scribes, and they led Jesus away to the council chamber, saying, If you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe what I say. And if I ask a question, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. And they, and they all said, Are you the Son of God then? He replied, Let it you say that I am, is just as you say. Then he asked, What further need of testimony do we have? For we ourselves have heard it from his own mouth. So they've, you know, they here here we are. I mean, we're now at Friday morning. So so from Thursday evening, we go through the the uh, the, the, the Passover feast. Uh, Jesus sits down at the Last Supper. Uh, he breaks the bread. We, you know, the communion. We we bring communion out of this Last Supper. Uh, what he said, do this in remembrance of me. As he's speaking to his disciples, he's breaking the bread. He's showing this is my my flesh broken, beaten for you. This is my blood shed for you. So following these trials, Jesus was scourged at the hands of the Roman soldiers and then was forced to carry his own instrument of execution, the cross, through the streets of Jerusalem along what is known as the Via Della Rosa, the Way of Sorrows. Jesus was then crucified at Golgotha on the day before the Sabbath, was buried and remained in the tomb until Sunday, the day of the sa- after the Sabbath, when he gloriously was resurrected. And that's referred to as Passion Week. Because in that time, Jesus Christ truly revealed his passion for us in the suffering he willingly went through on our behalf. What should our attitude be during this week, during this holy week, this passion week? We should be passionate in our worship of Jesus and in our proclamation of his gospel. As he suffered for us, so should we be willing to suffer for the cause of following him and proclaiming the message of his death and his resurrection. It's telling his story. It is the gospel, the truth. Tomorrow would be the day that Jesus is crucified on that cross, probably sometime in the afternoon. I don't know the exact time frames, but but this rendition today, Thursday's message, Maundy Thursday, whatever you want to call that, brings us all the way to the day where they're going to scourge him, they're going to, to punish him, they're going to strip him of all of his clothing, and they're going to put that cross upon his back and make him carry it to Golgotha's hill. We're setting this up for the crucifixion. This day means a lot to me. I, I find much passion in today, knowing that Jesus knew what it was coming, knowing that Jesus knew that that, that that last supper he had with his disciples was going to be the last peaceful time he had prior to his death. Now, we know the story. We know we're coming into Easter weekend I'm not real sure where God will lead me with the message for tomorrow. Um, I, I don't know uh, that I will talk about the crucifixion. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what he puts on my heart for tomorrow. But knowing what we're knowing right now, knowing that we're we're coming up to that day, let today be a recognition of what it truly means for Passion Week, for Holy Week, that this week expresses the amount of love that Jesus had for us. 
loved us so much that he would give his own life for us, knowing what was coming, showing his flesh in the Garden of Gethsemane as he prayed. So stressed was he that he sweat drops of blood. But he did that all for us because he loved us so much. He, he desired to do his Father's will. Be about your Father's business tonight. Be about your Father's business the rest of your life. Share the story of Jesus Christ, that his death not be in vain, that, that his suffering not be in vain, that the story of not only was he suffering, not only did he die for us, but he rose again and is sitting at the right hand of the Father waiting on the command to come get us. I know he's standing God showed me that a long time ago that he's no longer sitting at the right hand of the father. He's on his feet. We're that close. He's looking at his dad and he's saying, I'm ready. I'm, you tell me when I'm going. He stands in the gap interceding on behalf of us. He always has. He always will. Wow, what a message. I pray that this Easter season finds you passionate about your faith in Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with him, it's not difficult First of all, understand what he did for you. Listen to the story here. What did he do for you? He suffered and he died at the hands of mankind. The same ones that gave him the triumphal entry. The same ones who hailed him as king of the Jews led him to the cross and, 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 and hung him there until he died. Innocent of anything wrongdoing, he simply gave his life for us. He took our sin upon him. When you believe that message and you believe on Jesus Christ and you invite him into your heart, knowing you're a sinner, asking him to, to, to let his blood wash you clean, you become a new creation, washed by his blood, set free by his sacrifice. By doing so, you become what we call today a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. If, if, you, if you find yourself in that place tonight, and you make that decision. You don't have to say a, a, anything. There's no ritualistic thing here. You just simply recognize that Jesus is Lord. And you ask him to be Lord of your life. You ask him to forgive you of those sins. Wash you clean. And help you become the man or woman of God he created you to be from the very beginning of time. And then you need to find a good, solid, Bible-believing, fire-breathing, Holy Spirit-filled church. And begin your, your walk with Christ. Begin to serve him as he created you to. He's gifted you. He's given you gifts and talents to use for his purposes. Now it's time to be about his father's business. Our father as well. As now we're heirs to the throne. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have questions. You have any 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 questions. Any doubts. Any any concerns. You want to you contact me. I'll pray with you. Shoot me a message. All of our giving information are, 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 are right there on our website. All of our contact information is right there on our website. Uh, the Facebook Messenger, the Living Light Outdoors page. Uh, Buster Holzer is my personal page. Send me a message. Be glad to pray with you. Be glad to converse with you. Uh, it, it, this is some serious business. We're, we're out of time. Now is our time to stand and rise up as an army of God to bring as many souls with us into his kingdom. That's our goal. That's our role. That's what he's given us to do in the Great Commission, lead people to Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for, for praying with us, praying for us, walking with us on this journey. Again, 
all of our information is on our website and our Facebook page. Stay in contact with us. Please continue to pray with us as we continue to seek out that which is lost so that it may be found. Amen. Rhonda and I love you. We'll talk to you again real soon.